Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Before I bring on my next guest, who is incredible, amazing, just a wonderful human being that I loved instantly. And so just the other day when I was in New York City on business, I made sure we got together for dinner and he did not disappoint. Oh, I could have just spent hours with him. I love this man. I also have his book. He was kind enough to send me his book, Just Being John, a memoir. I highly recommend it. I just love that I get to meet incredible people like John. And every time I think, mm, do you want to continue another year with my podcasts recorded and live? I go, yep, 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 yep. How can I not? I get to highlight people from around the world that are making a positive, powerful difference. Now, before we go to him, though, somebody said, Sandy, we're not even sure what else you do now that you sold your health clubs. Well, I do a lot of mental and physical well-being coaching for individuals and groups. So I do one-on-ones as well as I go into companies or schools with six-week, three-month, and six-month programs all around mental and physical fitness. And my books, Train Your Head, Body Will Follow for the Adults and Recess to Reset that I just did for the kids recently. So it doesn't matter to me where I'm doing it. Somebody said to me, do you have your niche? And I love all people. So I can't say I have my niche, but I know when people are ready. That's what I know. And it could be a group and it could be an individual. So if you know anyone that would love me to come into their school or company or do a speaking gig or work with me one-on-one, you can send them to my website, sandyjoyweston.com, and it's with an O-N, or they can call my business line, 610-304-0639. I've never done that. I've never told people how to reach me. So my website, social media, or they can call my business out, 610 610- 304-0639. And now, without further ado, da da da, here's John. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Well, hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. We're in for a treat. You know, most times I do audio, but after looking up my next guest, John, which I'll bring him in in a bit, I had to bring him on Zoom so I could see him and the man behind It's like 18 lifetimes squished into one. But before I introduce you, this is just a little bit about John. He is the producer and host of Globetrotter, John Higgins TV, a fun, informative, and entertaining program that features destinations, foodies, and guests from around the world and is available in 2 million homes in New York City and over the internet. The main goal is to expand audience horizons beyond the couch and allow them to discover faraway places. I love that. John is a motivational speaker who inspires people to get up and go. His background, which I would use some of this, I'm going to a gala for the first time in five years, fashion, interior, and food. 
and his latest book, which I'm so happy to talk about, is John Being John, a memoir. John, thank you so much for being here. I'm so pumped. Thanks to Danny. Woo, Daniel Snyder. Yes. yes. And thank you so much for having me on because I love talking. I love to talk about all kinds of wonderful things. His life is so full. Well, and your life is definitely full. I yes. and I love it. So before we get into it, I always ask my guests, what's your one word? Any word you would pick for the past 30 days, and why would you pick it, John? Energetic. And the reason is because I'm always on the go. And I love it. Tell us more. Well, what do you do? What's your morning look like? What do you do? What's an average day? Well, an average day could include about two and a half hours between water aerobics and general swim, and then a lunch, and then a dinner or movie or theater or dinner, you know, just all sorts of activities. So I'm busy. But on weekends, I do nothing because I'm so exhausted from all the activity. <laughs> just said that to someone and they were like, what? I go, my husband and I, um, we go out and about, and I have so many activities that I love doing and networking activities and business activities. Then when the weekend comes, we don't make plans until that day. And they're right. like, oh, you're not booked for six, six months. I go, no, I'm not that popular. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I just don't want to have to do something. You exactly. Know? exactly. So Saturday is like a day. I do nothing. Sunday is another. I recoup. And then yeah. I start all over again, like a steam engine. It's going, going, going. And I love it. And I have lots of friends. And we have lots of parties, lots of things to do all the time. So it's it's marvelous. It keeps me vital. I'm yeah. looking forward to my 80th birthday next year. I am so excited about it. Whoopee! <laughs> right. You know, I, my birthday is next Wednesday. <gasps> Happy and birthday. Before that anybody goes out for Thanksgiving here, like it's a big... And so I tell everybody they're coming out for me. That's why. Oh, right. it's not, me. <laughs> not the turkey. Forget the turkey. <laughs> no, it's me. So, John, you live in one of my favorite places in the world. I live in the suburbs of Philly. So I go in and out of New York all the time. It's, it's just fabulous. Yes. And there's so much, so many activities and that you can participate or not participate in. But there's so many things to do. Even a stroll in the park, Central Park. You know, it's just such a... That's a paradise, actually. It's an oasis that is a treasure to New York. And thank God we have it. Because otherwise, developers would have put all those skyscrapers that we don't need anymore, skyscrapers. <laughs> <laughs> so you must have been, uh, I know it was for me, it was really difficult when you weren't able to get out and about as much in New York. Well, you know, that's what I wrote the, actually, that's when I wrote the book. I thought, you know, I'm going to be practical and I had so many pages per day. And it's not about writing. It's the rewrites that take up so much time. And it's just amazing how it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, by then you're sick of it. You don't really want to read it again. You want to know about it. You just want to see the finished product. And I work with this wonderful lady that I've never met. She lives in Illinois, somewhere in the country. I don't know. Uh, but she's done three books with me. And I've done five books altogether. And I just talk over the phone. She said, I like working with you because you come from the design world. So what happens is that you understand how it should be laid out and so forth. And it just is such a wonderful pleasure to work with her. And her name is Vicki Swisher. Oh, shout out to Vicki. <laughs> uh, so we have two areas, main areas, that I want to make sure we get in, in addition to your book, which one is all about the Globetrotter TV show that you produce and host. Right. 
I just want to know, can I be a mouse and come with you? I just, I love talking to strangers. I love talking to any human. I love hearing their journey and I love food. So the fact that you go all around, I watch some of your shows. They're awesome. And you get to meet <laughs> all these people in other lands. Oh. Absolutely. And also during the COVID period, what we were doing was going around New York to different restaurants, different nationalities. So people, if you can't travel, you can at least taste the food. So that, that was an introduction to a lot of people. And I thought that made a lot of sense because if you can't travel, it just, you know, you got to do something. And yeah. uh, eating and drinking is one of the things I enjoy most. Yeah. <laughs> and my favorite restaurants also along the way, you know. And yeah. uh, I would say, why go to a trendy restaurant where they're not really doing proper food? Go to a restaurant that you understand and the food is good and you go back again because the food is good. Why go to a place like the other night we went to a place and I said, I can't believe this, a mimosa with no bubbles? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> or in Whole Foods, they have these uh, bratwurst, they call them bratwurst, I think it's Italian sausage because it's not ah. bratwurst. I know bratwurst from Germany, it's a whole different thing. So when yeah, you, yeah. Travel, you know the different experiences and nobody can fool you, you know? And when it's bad, my friend always says, you're always sending things back. I said, if it's not right, why am I, why am I going to eat it? <laughs> we were just out with a group of girls and we, we like food and drink too. And the one lady, I mean, the meal was horrible and she didn't want to send back. I was going, listen, you don't have to be a jerk. There's a nice way to say it's not great. But when you're going out to dine, you want good food, especially it was a really nice restaurant. Right. And it was like they were known for their, we all got fancy meals. She said, oh, no, I would, they were known for their hamburgers. It was horrible. And she didn't send it back. And that's, I don't that's, get that. No, that's terrible. 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 Right. And this friend says, there you go again. And I said, well, you know what? Forget all these trendy. There was one restaurant where I ordered uh, fish and it was about hmm, an inch and a half wide. And it was sitting on cold potatoes. I mean, excuse me. What kind of trend is that? <laughs> and the biscuits came at the very end of the meal. They were cold. I said, I guess that's our dessert. <laughs> so I said, I'll never go back there again. <laughs> I'm like, John, John, please don't. Please don't, John. No, I get it. All right. So do you tell people like me coming to New York who only know, you know, the main places to go? In your show, do you give us like inside places that we may not know about where to dine? Because I know when I go to visit my friends in New York, I love they take me to these hole in the walls that are awesome. Yeah, it's like this Ecuadorian restaurant that is has five tables. I said to my cameraman, I said, I don't know if we can get a camera in this place. It's so small. <laughs> so we only got one camera. Normally we work with two cameras, but there was no place to put another camera. But the yeah. food is so good. I've taken friends back numerous times and, and we love it. Uh, and then there are other places that are very fancy and they're and wonderful food and they yeah. make special dishes for me because I know that I love certain things and it's just wonderful. Actually, it was interesting. One day we had turbo, you know, the fish turbo. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And so um, what happened was it was it was so big that the cameraman had some, the uh, manager or that the owner had some, I had some, and then each of us took some home. And I thought, I don't know if you can heat it up, it's going to be the same. Well, I put it in the microwave for one minute. It was perfect. It was just like being in the restaurant. That means it's good food. Makes a big difference. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. I have. I, I was there three months ago. I guess I'm going to have to make a trip, some excuse to come up for something. <laughs> you let me know. We'll go out and have something. Oh, my God. Don't say that. You don't know me. The other 
month, my friend was like, I love pizza. I said, I know a great pizza parlor in Soho. And we just got in our car and went. Yeah. That's me. Like, I, because it's not that far, you know? For good pizza, I'll travel anywhere. All right, John. So when you're traveling all over, and I know there's so many great countries, but before you came on the show, I did ask my peeps, what do they want to know about each area? Right. And do want to know what was one of your favorite, not doesn't have to be all time, but what was your one of your favorite places to travel? I think probably the most unusual place was Tunisia. It's the size of Florida, but it's, you know, it has mountains, has a sea, it has history, it has so much going on and great food. They even have wine, Margot wine. Oh my God. And oh my God, the dates, <laughs> the dates, unbelievable. I had a guy go climb to the top of a tree and chop down a whole branch and brought it down to me. And it was so heavy, but it was so delicious. I mean, just having something as fresh as that is amazing. That's just, that was a treasure, you know, and I didn't even know where right. Tunisia was initially the first time I went there. And I've been back nine times. Love it. I have lots of friends there. Nine times? Yep. I was going like twice a month, uh, twice a year, as a matter of fact, you know, like around uh, Christmas, New Year's, and then again in the uh, late spring. And it was just, just kind of wonderful, wonderful place to go. But there are so many other places that I've been that I thought were just sensational, like Holbosch, which is an island off the Yucatan. And it's uh, one of those little islands where there are no cars. They have ATVs for taxis and motorbikes. And the rest is just, uh, and the beach. And uh, this place that I stay, Casa Sandra, you look out and you see this beach. And on the, during the day, there may be two people on the beach and a bar. What else do you need? <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> it's the most. Okay. Those are two places no one has talked about recently. I <laughs> to travel to yes there's so many wonderful places um rio was my first international trip when i was 23 years old and uh i have a fondness for rio i feel like every time i leave i leave a part of my heart it's just one of those things that i have a, a special passion for um it's a and rio is a state rather than just rio the city so you have uh petropolis you have uh, parachi Praji, um, mm. uh, Nouveau Fribourg, all these are part of Rio State, and there are many other places there. And it's just amazing. And it's totally different. You know, it's like, like Parachi is a colonial city with a, you know, the cobblestone. Actually, the balances from the ships, I said, they really screwed you. They gave you the balances and they took the gold. <laughs> so, but there's so many treasures around the world that are so unique, you know, that you can't, um, you know, it was very funny. I was in Uruguay and uh, in Montevideo and uh, this place called Fun Fun. And at the end, these performers, I said, ah, buenas noches, dames y caballos. And they laughed. So I asked, why are you laughing? And they said, because, um, excuse me, something just landed in my mouth. <laughs> anyway, they said, because you said, good evening, ladies and horses, rather than caballeros. <laughs> So that was really funny. You tried, you tried, you tried. <laughs> it's very, it sounds the same to me, you know. Yeah. I'll oh never make God. that mistake again. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. So the show, when did you start the show? Globe 20, years ago. 20 years ago. Oh. Yeah. So when you were traveling, besides your camera crew, were you traveling by yourself or would you bring friends? Like how did that work or family? 
Well, when I first started, well, let's see, before the show, I was writing, no, I was a tour operator before, and then I started writing, and then the show came about. And oh. uh, so it was like, you know, and then traveling, I've been working with David for, uh, Fasano for the last, I love it, the French say Fasano. <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, been, you know, an incredible experience. We've been all over the world, uh, five continents, as a matter of fact which is fantastic. I mean, to see all these different cultures. I still want to go to Australia. I don't want to go to Antarctica. It's cold. I'm from Florida originally, so forget that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Is there anywhere you haven't been that you still want to go? Australia? Yeah, China, another. I've done uh, Japan, Vietnam, um, Cambodia, Malaysia, and Thailand. Mm. But I, I still want to do um, you know, China, as a matter of fact. And mm. there are so many places I still want to do. Um, and, you know, I've done the South Pacific, you know, like Tahiti and and uh, what's the other place, whatever it is. Um, just, you know, just so many wonderful places and so many wonderful people you meet along the way. I agree. I, I remember we were on a boat coming back uh, to land and this young lady uh, turned to me and she said, uh, we can't wait to come back, John. And uh, I mean, it's such an emotional thing for me. I said, wow, that is really amazing. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, just people are so generous too uh, yeah. around the world. I agree. Yeah. And people should I love, be I love them. I, I find their journeys fascinating. And for you, you know, the fact that you get to come into their world and share their story to everyone. Oh, oh what absolutely. a gift. What absolutely. a gift. All right. So how often, whether it's for the show or not, forget the little thing we had going on there for a little bit. Do you travel? Well, it depends. Um, let's see. Just the last trip was Galway and it was just before it was two weeks before the shutdown. Okay. So uh, that was, uh, you know, what we love the drone. It just does all kinds of wonderful things. I don't know how the thing works, but uh, David knows. And yeah. he did this shot where he was in front of this church and he went up and it was uh, what do they call foggy. And suddenly as he got to the top, the clouds parted and you could see the village. It's one of my favorite shots. And then for instance, uh, well, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, there's another shot uh, on what is it called? Mount Edna in Sicily where he's going up and they say, we have to climb to the top. And these people like little ants, they look like little ants. And I said, you gotta be kidding. We have to go up there. And we got to the top and we toasted with a bottle of red wine. And uh, he did this shot with the zoom and it was just uh, not a zoom. What do you call that? Uh, the, the, uh, the thing that flies in I the air. Fly. I know what you mean. I, I will think of it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. This is zoom. Drone is it? Drone, like a yes, right, yeah. right. And so he did this shot and these people, it was just amazing how he went all around and just, mm. you know, just great stuff. And it's so much better than a helicopter because a helicopter, helicopter vibrates. Yeah, so, yeah. And if you steady, you know, uh, stabilize it in the edit, uh, you lose some of the picture. So if mm. you have Zoom, you don't, I mean, um, I keep calling it a Zoom. A drone, I get if, it. If you have a drone, apparently it's uh, it's a smooth shot. And it's even in Galway where it's windy, this thing was rather stable. I was really surprised. Mm. So uh, it's amazing technology today and the yeah. things you can do. It's crazy. And I'm glad you have David to help you with that. Yes, because I don't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I, do it. All right. So where are you going next? What's on the plans? I, I think we probably go back to Germany, but a different part of Germany. Um, oh. that's, 
is one. And uh, there's uh, also Morocco, which I haven't been for a couple of years. I'm really excited about that. And there's several other destinations that I'm thinking about, you know, so we'll see, you know, once I think everything will start next year again, we'll be on the yeah. road and uh, yeah. we'll see where it goes. Like I love Madeira, which is such a great uh, island. Uh, the airport is on a pier. <laughs> so if you miss, you're in the ocean. <laughs> and the Azores, another wonderful place. Actually, the Azores, a fascinating thing on this particular island. All of this is in my Chasing Wild Ass book, which is a travel book. Uh, and the title came about because we were in India chasing jackasses. So I said, that's a great title for the book. And so anyway, uh, what happened in the Azores is that we were in this on this. They have nine islands, but we were on this particular one where it was a brown water pool. It was water, uh, brown water was flowing into the pool. And I stepped in within 10 minutes. My feet were flopping in my shoes. I said, my whole body. Imagine it's a great way to lose weight. I said, imagine going in there for like an hour. I'd come out like yeah. a string bean. I said, that would be really fascinating. More people need to know about this island and, uh, <laughs> you know, that hot water. It's from the volcano, apparently, but it's yeah, just. Yeah, yeah. And people bury their food in these holes and they come back later, pots of food. They come back later and it's all cooked because of the heat or mm. the, the rocks or whatever it is. It's amazing. But uh, I it, love Wait, so you mentioned, I know about your Globetrotter show, but you, then you mentioned a book that you have about travel. I have several books. I have uh, John Haggins' A Globetrotter, which is okay. one book. I have, uh, I have, let's see, I started off, originally with a publisher who did uh, the African-American travel guide. Um, okay. Had nothing to do with African-Americans because it's really about how to get your act together and edit. You're not going for a fashion show, blah, 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 blah. That was all the information. And then the second book was Yes, I Can, which was a memoir. And then the third book was, um, let's see, what was it? Uh, Chasing Wild Ass. And the fourth book was um, John Haggins, The Globetrotter. And the fifth book is uh, Just Being John. Yeah. And yeah. I love that title. I freaking love that title. Yeah. I love it. All right. So let's switch gears because we could stay all day on the travel and I love it. But we have to go back to what I first found out about you when our friend Danny sent me information and you and all your fashion. Oh, yeah. And okay, that was, only 10, that was only 10 years of my life, so it was just a small part of my life. There was a lot of it, I mean, there was like amazing fashions everywhere, and I was like, oh my god! Oh, like yeah, was, that's true. And the Schoenberg has uh 10, uh, no, 16 boxes of editorials from all the different magazines because our first major editorial was in Vogue, two pages on the island of Mauritius. And I've been to the island Mauritius on two occasions, and I've gone into those sugarcane fields with photographed, and mm -hmm. it was just fascinating. Then we had seven or eight covers on Cosmopolitan, plus eighty-five inside pages, and who knows, bizarre. All the magazines we were in, which was fantastic. In addition to the magazines, the newspapers, and so forth. So you can imagine sixteen boxes, and that yeah. that period was really from uh, sixty-six to uh, you weren't even born then, and then. Uh, I was. I'm. I'm. I'll be 63 this month. Oh well, you're a baby. I, I was born 59. Oh my God! I was. Yeah. I, I was getting out of high school then. <laughs> I don't know. Once you're over 40, it's all the same, John. It's all the same. <laughs> right. But it was. Um, 
it you know it's really amazing all the uh, the things that you go through and uh, and you didn't realize because I realized I had all these editorials. What am I going to do with them? They were collecting dust. So I called the Schoenberg and they said they would be delighted to have them. And they sorted them out. I need to go there and see what they've done. I have never done that, and they've had one oh. of years. But I need to go up there and just check it out. Yeah. Okay. So the year again, you said it was nineteen six. What was it? Sixty six. Right, sixty six. And my okay. first celebrity client was uh, Sammy Davis's uh, uh, first wife, Mae Britt, the Swedish lady. Okay. So how? How did you get into what was your I mean, did you always like were you always interested in fashion? Did you go to school for fashion? I went to school. I was always interested in fashion. I think the most I think when I was in the ninth grade, I did a drawing for the yearbook. And apparently that was the beginning of it. And then I went to the uh, regular regular high school and they had an illustrating class, illustration class. And I thought, wait a second, I can do that. So then I wanted to know what does a sleeve look like and all that. So then I transferred in the 10th grade to the high school of fashion. And uh, then uh, that summer, uh, after graduating, uh, they had an opening at the bookstore. They needed someone in the bookstore. So um, part, part-time and that, that way would pay for my education while I was there. And so, and I'd earn some money at the same time. So that was a great fun period. And I really enjoyed FIT a lot. And it's really grown as a school. It's enormous. Uh-huh. Yeah compared to the one building and, you know, the uh, one dormitory. Now it's several blocks. It's unbelievable. Mm. But I don't know where these kids are going to get jobs when they get out because unless they go off on their own, because the industry has shrunken. You know, the the area used to be just garments. Now it has tech. It has all kinds of other things in there. So it's just, uh, it's not quite the same. And uh, I ask you, what, what do you think of fashions today? What do you think of them? They're cookie cutters, basically, you know, Uh, I mean, there's some extremes, you know, in terms of the high fashion things, but mostly it's cookie cutters. When you go to the stores, it's all the same and polyester of all things instead of natural fibers. Yeah. Uh, So it's, you know, it's just, I, someone said, do you like uh, particular designers? And I said, I just go for what I like. I don't care who who does it. You know, I'm not looking for a label. I'm looking for something that I like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I did see some of your fashions and that's not my strength. Everyone says to me, Sandy, we love you. And no one could get away with the colors that you wear or the patterns, but you make it work. And then my husband is really into fashion. So they're like, he would just... I don't care. Just buy me my clothes. It's not my thing. Right. And my mother-in-law worked for, do you know Lily Pulitzer? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And she, she those, worked for, uh, Florida Prince. Yeah. They but they don't have a lot of solid. So she worked for them and she retired when she was 80. So it kind of helped me along the way, but I still just put together what I like, John. When I go out. It it's all that matters. A yeah. friend of mine, she said, I hate that combination. You're wearing seersucker, uh, you know, the stripe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a uh, gingham shirt. I said, so what? Who cares? I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you like it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you're happy. All right. So you did that. You said just for 10 years. Yeah. All together. Why the two? And then I went to Cabaret after. And after Cabaret, um, I did temp for a couple of months which was amusing actually everyone wanted to hire me I said no thank you <laughs> and uh and the 
I had planned that I would return to fashion and oh. I quit uh, one, one day. And the next day, there was a big page in the Daily News of my return. I said, now that's funny. Those people probably said, who the hell was that guy who came through here? Because I didn't know anything about the typewriter. And somebody said, uh, when I walked in, they said, how many words do you type? And I said, uh, 40 minutes per word. I said, no, no, I meant the other way around. <laughs> Especially if it's an A, 40 minutes. So anyway, uh, then the next thing that happened, <laughs> and they said, it was funny, they asked me to type something. So I hit the keys, nothing's happening. I turned to one of the secretaries, I said, what's going on here? She said, you're missing an element. I said, what are you talking about? I thought she was talking about that was crazy or something. I don't know what an element yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The ball on this electric. So then she comes and puts that in. And then I start typing. Nothing's happening. She's, I said, now what's going on? And she said, you're missing a ribbon. I said, I don't know nothing about changing ribbons. <laughs> so they thought I was like a clown there. They didn't get it. Oh my <laughs> but we had a lot of laughs. You know, that's really what it's about. But I thought the big shock was the fact the day after I quit, there was a big page in the newspaper. He's <laughs> back. Who was that guy? <laughs> like the mass man, you know. But there have been a lot of um, wonderful transitions. Then I came back as uh, after I left fashion again. Um, I was stumbling around thinking, what do I want to do? And then someone called and said, why don't you produce a show for the Japanese and the Americans? So that was the whole thing. So I went off to Japan. Uh, and then I was telling them how they wait a, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't just go through. So you left fashion and somebody just said you should produce a show for Japan. Well, it's a combination of the Americans and the Japan, the sister cities, you know. Um, and so, okay. well, that's a country, but I mean, basically oh the idea. Right. Anyway. Uh, so what happened was um, after that was over, I thought, well, what am I going to do now? And I said, well, you know what? I could do tours of Manhattan behind the scene of fashion and theater and so forth. So I organized that. And then the next thing was, um, oh, I went to teach at Parsons, 10 Thursdays. On the 10 Thursday, I wrote an, a, res a, resignation, a resignation that said, I quit. <laughs> I couldn't do it. And two weeks later, I was in Ghana. And there, this... Uh, guy from the airline said, maybe get 12 people together for a trip. I said, well, I don't know how to do that. So I called a friend of mine who has a radio show uh, every Sunday uh, on BLS. So uh, he said, you know what? We'll do a live broadcast. So we did this. The phone was jumping off the hook. I mean, I'm in my studio. Somebody's answering the phone, of course. But I'm doing yeah. a live broadcast. And we had 450 people who called. Well, on the first trip was 96 people. <laughs> It was amazing. So all of a sudden, I'm now a tour operator. So I did that for a couple of years. And I think towards the end of it, these three sisters wanted to sit in the same row on the plane and each one wanted a window. I said, I give up. I give up. So anyway, I left that and I started writing uh, oh, and uh, traveling again. And uh, then the show came about. And so that was it. So I've written for a number of newspapers and magazines, as well as... Um, it's very funny. My favorite restaurant said, who wrote the book? I said, I did. They said, you're a writer? I said, I'm a lot of things. <laughs> but, you well, know. Don't write their own books, believe it or not. I did oh. not know that, but they don't. Oh, yeah. They have ghostwriters. 
Yeah. And uh, it was funny because I had called someone I know used to work with Simon and Schuster. And I said, what would you charge to edit the book? Now, she never asked how many pages or whatever. She just said $5,000. Yeah. I said, thank you very much. Bam. And I thought, that's ridiculous. I'll find a way to get through this. And Grammarly was the big help. You know, Grammarly, the editing. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it was amazing. Okay. So let, there's so much to take apart there. So my biggest question is, why did you, and I got this a lot, move out of fashions? Were you just like, yeah, I'm the way, like the way the industry is going. I'm done. I'm like, that was new. economics. It was economics at that oh. point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're a small business, it's very hard to, um, you know, to operate, you know, because you have so many expenses and so forth. And the same thing happened the second time around. It was just, but what happened the second time around was different from the first time because when a store bought something in my early years, yeah. It was a confirmation and they kept it. And if, there was, if they didn't sell it, that was their problem. When I came back, for instance, Bloomingdale's good example. They had bought, uh, they had an, I had an editorial whole page in Cosmopolitan and they'd gotten credit for it. They ordered the merchandise. They got it all in. A month later, he calls up and he said, you want to go forward? This is the buyer. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, take back the stuff we didn't sell. I said, let me think about that. So I hung up. I called the accounting department. The check was ready. I got on my bike. I raced there, got the check deposit. A week later, he called. He said, have you thought about it? I said, yeah, I'm not taking it back. <laughs> I just thought that's, I'm not his partner. You know, I have, <laughs> I have people, I have help, you know, the sewers, the pattern makers, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the fabrics, the electricity, the rent, you know, the, all those things to pay. And that, what, what am I going to do with this stuff? <laughs> so that was how they were doing business. And Lord and Taylor, the same thing. I had to sue Lord and Taylor. And I said, you know, this isn't a business for me any longer. Um, well, it doesn't make sense. I, I'm so glad I'm out of it. So people ask me, do I miss it? No, I do not. Uh, I think the only thing I miss is being on the road, you know, with the travel. And that's the only yeah. thing at the moment. But um, but yeah. meanwhile, I'm, I'm busy doing other things. You know, there's always a, when one door closes, another opens and you move Absolutely. on. Yeah. And you have to think positively every day about, I'm so grateful when I wake up in the morning and, you know, I can wake up. I mean, there's an alternative, you know, but to wake up and to be able to have a full day. And I write, the, I have a calendar, I have things written down and, and every day there's something going on and it's wonderful. It's really fantastic. Nothing could be better than that. Yeah. I mean, it's inspiring because a lot of people will say after so many years of seeing so many things, they just get worn down. Like even oh, no. if they were more positive, they can't help it, you know, because they're being influenced by the world. So have you always been this way your entire life? Absolutely. You- I had a neighbor say to me, when am I going to retire? I said, from what? <laughs> Duh. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've been that way of always looking at the more positive and being excited about life your entire life. Absolutely. I remember when I first took fashion at the high school, and my grades were very low. And uh, the, the guidance counselor said, well, I think you should take shoemaking or something else. And I said, nope, I'm going to do fashion. And the next semester, everything was all A's. I was determined that that's what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be a designer. I didn't want to yeah. do anything else. I did never want to work in a factory. I never wanted any of that stuff. So what happened, I had a couple of lousy jobs initially when I got out of school. Uh, one was I had for a day and a half as a blouse designer. I didn't know what a blouse was. I went to Macy's to see what a blouse was. <laughs> but anyway, it only lasted a day and a half there. Yeah. But anyway, there were just jobs that I didn't want. And finally, I just started on my own. 
And uh, Sybil Burton, who just divorced Richard Burton, opened a club called Arthur. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on 54th Street. Yeah. yeah, and she adored us. We were there every night, and uh, everyone, and you know, everyone you would think of, Jackie O, uh, Paul Newman, just Judy Garland, everybody came to this club. And oh. we all danced, and you know, it was just a great thing. And whenever uh, they had uh, special parties or television shows coming in, Sybil, uh, you said you must come, you know, be a part of this. And so we were always there and it was just a whole great uh, promotion. It was a great experiment for me, too, because this friend of mine, she would I would make a dress a day and she'd wear it that evening. We test it and see whether you need another half an inch there or whatever, you know, to make sure it worked. Yeah, yeah. And so it was called the dress test. And I'd be dressed in jeans and she'd be in a ball gown or whatever. Oh, <laughs> so we just had a lot of fun. And we do that like six nights a week. And it was just uh, amazing. And we knew that once we got there, we didn't have to pay for anything. So we just needed car fare to get there. So we go to the piggy bank and rob the piggy bank, pay for the taxi. And it was just an amazing period. Loved it. And then uh, all things. What year was that? This was um, 65 and 50, 50, no, 66. It was 66. Mm. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second. But it was a whole incredible time. And the people were amazing. And, uh, you know, it's when they used to play the vinyl for half an hour and then they have the live band on for half an hour and then they go back, you know, alternating. And yeah. it was just, uh, it was, and we hated the the band, so we'd only dance to the records. <laughs> it happens a lot. Yeah. It still happens a lot. But it was a fun period, you know, and I don't know what kids do nowadays in terms of discos or so forth. I have no idea. But I know that we had so much fun, you know, whether whether it was there or it was Arthur, uh, whether it was Arthur or whether it was Studio 54 or Undine's or any of the clubs that we went to. It was just uh, amazing. Yeah. You know, it's not the same. But even my friends, and you know, of course, we're not in New York. They're like, where do we go to dance? We just want to dance. Right. And there really isn't anywhere that we can just go to dance. And we miss that. I mean, I love to dance, love to dance. But there isn't. Anywhere just to go out dancing. I know. It's unfortunate. And I, I think about the kids and the place like the tunnel is being ripped down now. Uh, I guess they're going to put up a sky rise or a high rise. Um, but that was one of the places that people used to go. There were so many clubs um, during that particular period um, that, you know, you just ran from one to the next. And it was just yeah. a lot of fun. Plus, we had, um, I guess it was in the early 80s uh, when I came back. We did fashion shows like at Studio 54. Uh, we had um, at, at Xenon's, we had the, the seven covers from Cosmopolitan, a party for that. Uh, we did another party uh, well, we, where I sang at Studio 54 on two occasions. Oh, um, so you sing too. You're just going to throw well, that? Yeah. Well, I did cabaret in the, in the 70s after I left fashion. Oh, that's so, right. You kind um, of did throw that in. Yeah. Oh. Well, anyway, it was just all these things. And yeah. the first time, there was about 2,000 people in the Studio 54, and I'm backing up, and on a high note, and I didn't realize the stage had ended, and I fell over backwards, and I went over, and everyone screamed. They thought it was a part of the act. <laughs> and I was on the floor. Thank God it didn't hurt myself. Okay. But the guy from the girl from the club, she said, why don't you get him to take a bow? I said, honey, I've had it. You take a bow. <laughs> <laughs> And the next time we were there on a 25, the, uh, the catwalk was 25 feet up in the air and it was oh, moving. 
while I'm singing and dancing up on the stage and uh, on the catwalk. And the model was freaked out. She was like holding on. She was really afraid that she's going to fall. But it was like, you know, daredevil. So there's been a lot of great experiences. Um, yeah. you know, through I wish you had a video of that. Uh, actually, do we have a bit? I think there's something on uh, on YouTube from yeah. not the fall because a person who was supposed to film it screwed up which pissed me off and then the other one was filmed uh with but it wasn't a good camera um and but it it is up on youtube somewhere but it's a lot of a lot of we should that. that would be fun <laughs> all right john let's talk about your book because yes. you said you got inspired during lockdown that's exactly. when you started writing it? Yes, yes. Actually, it was. I started it before that because uh, my mother was uh, suffering from dementia, and I thought it would be in, you know, uh, to honor her and my granddad, whom I lived with for six years when I was very, very young, and they were very special in my life. And I thought, hmm. So I started it. Then she died in 2018. So I just continued it, and it was because um, originally it was a novella. And then it became uh, 450 pages. And I mm -hmm. thought, wow, this is really amazing. And someone said, well, you did a bio before. And uh, I said, yes, but that was only 200 pages. And, yeah. uh, and they said, you have some of the same information. I said, well, it's the same person. So you would have some of the same information, but it's expanded. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> but it was the most wonderful thing to include. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to make another person, you know? Uh, but my favorite is the uh, is this book, which is, uh, let's see, this way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, I'm really excited about that. And, and several times. John. Yeah, that's it. And I, titles are very difficult. I like three words, by the way, when it comes to a title. Uh, and somehow it's simpler that way. Um, People remember it. Yeah. yeah. True. And, and I also started another book. I'm halfway through another travel book, but I couldn't go any further because, you know, I only have 150 pages. So I thought, hmm. Uh, and that title will be No Grass Grows Under My Feet, which is a longer title. Yeah. That, that's not, that's one of three words. I don't know, John. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I've always wanted to use that title because, uh, <laughs> and then a friend of mine, uh, Laurel, uh, wrote, uh, she, uh, I quoted her, she said, unstoppable. <laughs> Just keep going. And uh, I thought that was, that really sort of summed it up, you know. Did that sum it up? Yeah, right. Just one word. <laughs> so, John, tell us, I know we mentioned it a little bit, but they really want to know, because I'm very much into how do you start your day? So what does your morning routine look like? Well, I get up an hour before I have to leave which gives me a chance to have three spoons of oatmeal and a shower. Okay. And I can't, somehow I just can't digest more than three spoons. I don't even know why I bother to make it. I throw the rest out. It's like a routine. And then, then I'm, then I'm off and running, you know, um, and I go in uh, and start, I usually start with a gym and, um, and that's, you know, the best part. And then I'm also taking classes there like Photoshop, uh, which is interesting. As a matter of fact, I just did a new logo. And um, well, I didn't really do it. The 
teacher did it because <laughs> I said, how do I get this thing, whatever, and I need to change this here. I could tell her what I wanted to do. And I yeah. said, you can do it much faster than I, and I and I have to get down to the pool, so you need to hurry up. <laughs> okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So when you say you get up in the morning and you need an hour before you go out the door, right? And you right. need three teaspoons of oatmeal. Right. What else are you doing in that hour? Just spending time? Are you writing or are you well, talking? No, I, get, I get dressed. Sometimes it's a phone call to return or something rather, but there's always something to keep me busy during that time. And then off I go. And then start my day, and then there's a whether I'm having lunch with someone or going to the. I go from one pool to the other because the schedule is crazy. So I have water aerobics in one, and then I get dressed. I have another bathing suit with me. So I have two bathing suits. I put on the dry bathing suit, run to the next place, and then after that, I run to have cocktails to have with something or go to the, the cinema or whatever, uh, or dinner or whatever with somebody. It's just a crazy life. I love it. Yeah. So why swimming? You just love the pool. Well, the thing was, I have always wanted to learn to swim, and it was always by a, a raffle, not a raffle, what do they call those things? Uh, whatever it's called. And I, I lottery? Lottery, thank you. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do the lottery thing. So it, they, the teacher said, I'm going to start a swim class. I said, fantastic. So I started taking that swim class. And then um, I thought, you know, that's something I've always because I have been around the world on three occasions, I almost drowned. One was the first one was ah. Reno, and I was going down for the third time because the sandbar moved and I, I panicked because I couldn't reach the bottom. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of the word in Portuguese. What's the word? What's the word for help? I couldn't. I finally said help. And someone came over and saved me. And, I then, I, that. <laughs> and then I was in Hawaii and the same thing happened with the uh, sandbar. So by that time I relaxed and did it on my back and I was fine. And okay. another time I was in a pool and this guy said, I see you going on the shallow side, you know, going down, whatever, but I want you to go to the deep side. I said, I don't think so. So he said, I'll go with you. So I was doing the backstroke. I mm. got to the side. He's still on the other side. He tricked me. So meanwhile, um, I said, oh. and then I was in uh, Hawaii on another occasion, but a different island, Hawaii. And all of a sudden I jumped off the boat and um, into the uh, Pacific. Not knowing mm -hmm. how to swim, but managed in the water, got back on the boat. And the person who was filming said, I missed that shot. I said, what? That water's cold. So I had to do it again, jump in. And I have that on tape <laughs> where I swam back to the boat. And I said, but I need to know the breathing. I need to really get that together. Yeah, so now yeah. I've really improved and it's really great. And I love it. It's good exercise for the entire body. And also after, you know, the, the uh, water aerobics, which is one thing, oh, we play volleyball after, which is not really volleyball, it's hitting from one person to the other. But now we have this thing where we have two balls going at the same time. So you really have to be in the, water? In the, in water? the water, yeah, in the pool. And, you're, you know, you're hitting and, and these balls are coming, you <laughs> keeps you alert and you're stretching and you're ducking and all kinds of things. So that's the most fun. I love that. And then after that, I get dressed and I run to the next pool to do the general swim. So it's two and a half hours. Yeah, right. Back and forth. Yeah. What do you What do you think? I get the water aerobics, but what do you think about? You're just going back and forth and back. No, I'm I'm still trying to improve what I'm doing, you know, and also tricks. Okay. Like, I, like I said to one of the people, I said, by the way, uh, I'd like you to go to the bottom and just swim at the bottom and come up on the other side. And I said, but you're not going down. You need to start off when you kick off the wall. You just go down. 
you know, and I giving, giving her instructions and she somehow was on top. I said, no, you need to be down at the bottom. And she said she was blowing bubbles. I said, you just hold your breath. You don't blow anything. <laughs> and so, you know, and then the other thing is to start off with a crawl and flip to your back, all kinds of little tricks. You know, think of Esther Williams. Remember Esther Williams? Yes, I do. She has a book, by the way, called The Million Dollar Mermaid. It's a fabulous book. I just gave someone a copy of it. It's it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and I love watching her movies. Yeah. Million Dollar Mermaid. I got it from Amazon. Million Dollar. Where Mermaid. you buy everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, it's my really, God. It's really amazing. Um, uh, and I, I like she'll put a well, foot on the top of her knee and she'll do a backflip. I love backflips, too. Uh, I learned to do that before I learned to swim. They don't like me doing it in the pool, but I do it anyway. Oh, you <laughs> so do a backflip. I like to go and all the way down to the bottom and come up. And it's just, uh, it's great fun. You know, I mean, and the handstands and all kinds of things. I just like to play in the pool. <laughs> God uh, Well, I don't think you're ever, ever, ever going to be bored, John. Ever. No. And then one day I was splashing one of the other people in the pool and a drop hit this other woman. She comes in on a broom. I mean, she's a real witch. And so a drop hit her and she was complaining. I said, you're in the effing pool. What are you complaining about? <laughs> so anyway, this is, you, just, you just have to enjoy life though. You know, it's, yeah. it's that simple. You just have to yeah. really enjoy life. And that's what I do every day. I get up and I look forward to just doing good things. Yeah, you can tell, which is such an inspiration. And I'm so happy that Danny introduced us because this is wonderful. It's it's what I was looking for, John. But before we go, a couple things. One, is there anything besides telling them where to get your book? We didn't get in that you want to say. Oh, they can get my book on Amazon. <laughs> naturally yeah. anything yeah. else that we didn't get in that you want to tell the people tell the people i think frankly that we have to really explore life uh we have to get off the block so to speak there was a horrible movie i saw years ago called uh, the last exit brooklyn this woman never left her block at the end she was gang raped it was a horrible movie i went and had three margaritas after it was such a horrible movie but the point is you really have to get out and explore don't allow your passport, get a passport, first of all, never allow it to, to expire. You really have to keep up to date so you can leave, you can go at the, at the last minute, you know, whenever. I had a trip, someone said, you know, there's a trip to London tomorrow. And didn't you get the email? And I said, let me look. I said, oh yeah, I guess I'm going tomorrow. You know, so I, I went off to London on this inaugural flight and it was great fun. And then I met, uh, Jack, or is it Joe? Joe uh, Barley or Barkley, whatever his name is, uh, from the Times. And he said, I want to do a story on you. And I said, well, what's your angle? He said, black travel. I said, there's no such thing as black travel. You have money, you travel. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. That is so stupid. <laughs> so you don't have a story. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> People travel initially in groups to get familiar, you know, when they first start traveling. But the point is not black travel, it's travel. Yeah, yeah. I, it's the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but there are a lot of stupid people out there. You know, somebody once asked if my show was black. I said, do you ask Johnny Carson if his show is white? Oh, my God. 
I don't even know what they mean by that. That is so stupid. I don't know. It's just stupid. Just stupid. stupid. Yeah. Because we have everybody on the show, you know, from all around the world. I mean, what are we talking about here? And we have all kinds of food as well, you know, from everywhere. Uh, In terms of even New York, when we do Taste of New York, it's all kinds of food that you can experiment with. And, uh, you know, and it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Ah, <laughs> oh, John, you're a riot. I definitely have to come to New York and have a drink with you. Some food. Well, we have to have dinner, one of these wonderful places. Oh, my God. Let me know when you're coming in. I, I, only, I only get my hair cut. It's very curly in New York. So I haven't had it cut in a while. So I, sh- I have to make an excuse to come up. Yeah. My publisher is in New York. So. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. It's very funny. Uh, talk about way too long. All right. Talk about so, publishing. I just have to add this to uh, when I had sent the book off to one of the publishers. She said, well, I think you should do like 80,000 words instead of 100. Uh, and I think you should cut those first three chapters. And I said, and I'm going to do it on my own. <laughs> because I don't like what you're saying to me. I mean, we need to know the beginning where it all comes from. Because yeah. in the beginning of the, you know, the, the book, it says, I was standing in the door of no return, reflecting on the middle passage of where the Africans were brought through the door, never to return to their culture, their history, and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, off to the Americas. And um, my folks originally landed in South Carolina, and then they wound up in Florida. And then all the different generations, as far back as I can go, as my grandfather's parents were in uh, northern Florida. And so I talk about the whole description of the the um, the town and, you know, where they lived on the farm. And if you don't mind, I'd like to read one little quick. Can I do that? One little thing. Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. I'm like excited. I got chills. OK, there's uh, let's see. Where is it? Uh, it's one of the things I liked. Uh, and it was funny because I had an editor. I said that Magnolia's dotted the garden and she said they surrounded the house. I said, it's not a cowboy and Indian. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I couldn't believe she even said that. Let me find this. Okay. A row of tall oak trees with Spanish moth dangling from its branches created a willowy canopy that shaded a long, long winding dirt road that led to the Walker's farm. With Alice by my great-grandfather's side, he built a home made of logs known as a log cabin house. The open window shutters allowed light and fresh air to filter through the house. That was all I wanted to read there. Oh, my God. But uh, but it was something about the, no, that was basically the thing I wanted to, just one little paragraph. But there's just so much. I know, in- but it's beautiful. I, would, I wanted to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so well, there's 450 pages. <laughs> Someone said I should do an audio book. I said, who's going to sit there? For <laughs> you have to keep the same uh, tone, you know, throughout. I mean, that would be hell. Of, uh, I can't even imagine. Stop, start, stop, start, stop. I know, but even so, you have to keep that, you know, that's a, that would take forever to do. You know, I just. Forget that. Yeah, that right. Was- person who recommended that no (laughs) forget them (laughs) but anyway it's just so much incredible stuff in the book through uh, through the as uh kylie tong said that i had uh she said a wonderful read what a life john haggins has had his memoir takes you on an extraordinary journey that lands him in new york at the early age of nine a story as fascinating and vibrant as the man himself any one of the many careers Haggins has had would fill a lifetime for an extraordinary human being. 
and he's not done yet. I recommend this book wholeheartedly, Heidi Tong from PIX uh, Television. So true. I, I, I was reading that review on Amazon and I'm like, any one of those, it's like a full life. It's extremely full. But yeah. Well, I say it, if, I, if I die today, I will have lived. So that's, yeah. you know, yeah. no Isn't regrets. Isn't that a great feeling? Oh, yeah. No regrets. All right, my let's keep it real people. Come on. This has been a special treat. You're going to want to share it, rate it, like it. John and I will totally appreciate it. And John, I am so coming to New York. I'm you going to. to, as soon as I set up my dates, I'm going to see when you're available. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your time. It's been a, such a pleasure. And thank you know you. what I'm going to say. Until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.